Good morning. Welcome to Lighthouse Fellowship. My name is Jim Barcliffe. I'm pastor here, and we're glad that you're joined us along with those who've come here in the congregation, and we thank God for you. I pray God's blessing from you, and I pray that during this time of uh, sharing from the Word of God, I just pray that God would encompass you with His presence and His love, and that you would reality the reality that God is with you today. And so we pray that today and pray that you would be blessed, you would be encouraged, but also that maybe you'd be directed and built up in your faith to become more like Jesus Christ as we continue to seek his face. So we're glad you're here today. I want to continue to pray that God would truly just completely eradicate this coronavirus and also heal those that are sick and those that are caring for the sick, we pray for protection and also uh, that you would continue to pray for this country. Pray that this country would, would be on the path that God would desire for it to be and that this country would align itself with the word of God. This country was founded upon Judeo-Christian principles, the foundation there, obviously being Jesus Christ, that people could come over and have the freedom of worship. And so we pray that that would continue, but also that God would revive us and awaken our hearts. We need revival across this land. I do believe that God desires to do that, but we need to get ourselves into a position that we can receive this outpouring of God's spirit. We've been talking about the new wine that God, I believe, is pouring out, but we need to have those new wine skins. And so God is making some changes, some changes that's stretching all of us, but I believe it's something that will bring glory and honor to him. So we pray that you be blessed today as we share from the word of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day that you've given us, and we thank you for the privilege that we can come into the house of the Lord. Thank you we can gather corporately, just like Hebrews 10 says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Father, we just pray that it would be really uh, quickly that you would open up all churches, dear Lord. People would gather in Jesus' name. People would again be able to fellowship and come back together. And so, Lord, we pray that you would just come and deliver us from this virus, that you would, Lord, just take it away from this city, from this country, and around the world, we pray today in Jesus' name. And we pray that you would protect us, that you would cover us in the blood of Jesus, that you would protect us, dear Lord, as we go in our life and our comings and our goings. And dear God, that you truly would uh, cover us and guide us. So Lord, today we are asking Holy Spirit of God, come and touch us and speak to us. We are welcome in this place. We desire for you, Lord, to come and do what you desire to do. And so today we open our hearts to you and we ask you to speak because Lord, it's your word that speaks to our hearts and changes us forevermore. May Jesus forever be praised. Again, pray for healing for those that need to be healing throughout this land, across this world, and in our hospitals and so forth, and protection for those that are caring for those that are sick, but also protection, Lord, for your body, for your church, Lord, and for even all of society, dear God. We pray that we would look up and we truly would give you the glory and all the praise, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to look at Matthew 9, verse 29 today. Matthew 9, verse 29. And the title is The Testing of Your Faith. The Testing of Your Faith. Anybody here believe that we're under a test today? Okay. I want to tell you, 
And, and as we get more into it and understanding the testing that God does, He does that on a regular basis, trust me. And a lot of times the difficulties that you and I have is we don't recognize it as a test. And we don't recognize it in the sense of why God brings these tests on. Because we just see them as annoyances or things that come into our lives that are we get frustrated with and, and all that. And, and yet God is trying to build faith in our lives. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11 that it's without faith, it's impossible to please God. Now see, as we see the day approaching there as spoken of in Hebrews 10, that time, we're closer to Jesus coming back today than we were yesterday. And so I believe God is preparing his people. Now, I don't know when Jesus will come back. No man knows. But I do know one thing. We need to grow up. And I mentioned this morning is that we need to obviously stop just drinking the milk, but we need to eat the meat. We need to be mature. And God is bringing us up to be mature in our faith. Not just children there, but mature believers walking as Jesus walked today. Seems impossible. It is within our own strength, but with the power of God's Spirit that we can do that. But it means that our faith has to be strengthened. And it's important as you see this. Matthew 9, verse 29 says, According to your faith, it shall be done unto you here. So I want to ask you, what are you expecting God to do in your life? You see, there is a law that God has established, and it's called the law of expectation. And certainly the fact is we tend to get what we expect out of life. Think about it. We tend to see what we expect to see out of life, and we tend to hear what we want to hear out of life. We have a choice, you know, whether or not. You look at a day, and if you don't get up and you say, well, this is the day the Lord has made, you maybe say, oh, me, another day. And, you know, and you get out of the bed, and you sort of trudge through, and the hours go by, and you look back and you say, what happened? The day is gone. But you see, today we have a choice to make and have an expectant heart as far as what God's going to do. I've always mentioned here at church is that we need to expect that God is working and he's going to do something in our lives. And I know sometimes it doesn't happen when we want it to happen and we give up and we sort of like uh, go back into our slumber. But God is saying today, we need to expect God to work and to, and to, to move in a special way. Again, Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. According to the word of God and according to what God says, again, his word is faith is very important, right? When you put that right at the top of the list. And so God is really working in your life and my life to strengthen our faith. And he does that on a regular basis. It's important to know that. You know, if when you were uh, raising your children up, if uh, you felt your child trusted you and something they were doing and, and so forth, and they maybe saw you do something, they were following your footsteps, and, and you trusted them and so forth. Weren't you pleased with that? You were pleased with that child that trusted you. And it's the same way with our Heavenly Father. When we trust him and when we walk by faith, he is pleased with us. In fact, again, without faith, it's impossible to please God there. So you can obey God, I believe, and do everything right in that and still not have faith. And I believe what that means is certainly we don't have an expectancy. In other words, you're praying and we go through the motions, but we don't expect anything to happen. When we pray, we need to expect God to answer these prayers. In fact, in Romans chapter 14, the Bible says without faith, it's, it is sin. What, what, it says whatever, whatsoever is not of faith is sin, actually. Boy, that really is a broad spectrum of what's there. If it's not faith, without faith, 
It's sin. And so we need to learn to walk by faith. It's very important to understand that. It's something I don't think the church entirely teaches on today. It's with, without, you know, whatever, whatever is not of faith is sin. And so in Luke 17, 5, the apostle uh, said to Jesus here, Lord, increase our faith here. And so how do you do that? Have you ever prayed that prayer? Have you ever prayed, Lord, increase my faith? I want to tell you, it's kind of a dangerous prayer to, to ask because God has a way of doing it that maybe you didn't think that he would do it. And so forth. we just say, Lord, zap me and increase my faith. You know, impart it. Lord, deposit it in my life. And he does that too, definitely. But there are ways that he increases our faith and builds our faith here. So the question is, do you take vitamins for it? You know? No, can't take, take vitamins for it. You can't go to some type of therapy and then you can just get it. So I want to tell you today is here's the secret. Your test here, but your faith is strengthened by testing it. Like a muscle. You lift weights and you strain. And the next day or two days later, actually many times your muscles are sore. So you continue to stretch it there. And that's the same way about our faith. And James chapter 1, verse 3 says, the testing of your faith develops perseverance so that you may be mature and complete. He's saying that it produces perseverance so that you may be mature and, and complete. That's the testing of your faith. Now, I don't know about y'all, but sometimes I really do. I, I really know what and kind of experience what that word perseverance means, right? How about you? Sometimes in life, is that we are persevering and we just keep on and we're sort of like down and gritting up and doing it and all and, and so forth. And, and we just do it because we know it's the right thing to do. And so we persevere. Job, remember the story of Job. He went through some real hard times in Job chapter 7, verses 17 through 18. And he says this, What is man that you make so much of him and that you give him so much attention? and that you examine him every morning and test him every moment. <laughs> Get that? You test us every moment. And so I believe if you look back at your, the past week, you probably were tested. If you look even where you are today, you may be under a test. But certainly, you know next week may be a test. And so if Job says he tests you every moment, you can better believe there's a lot of testing going to be going on in your life and my life because he doesn't want us to stay the same. He doesn't want us to have flabby faith, as it may be said. He wants to strengthen. He wants to, uh, us to have resolve to say, I'm going to seek the Lord with all of my heart and I'm not going to back, back, backwards. I'm going to forward. I'm going to keep on. And even at times when you stumble or even when you feel like that you take two steps forward and one back, you still take those two steps. I'm going forward because Jesus has beckoned me. Every moment of the day, your faith is being tested. It's important to really understand that. The one thing about it is, again, we don't recognize it, do we? Maybe this today is saying you just have not understood. You know, I thought this past week there were some issues that I was going through. There were some, some challenges that I was going through. And there was a, a struggle, a battle going on, and, and I was, I really slipped over in some frustration. I began to really operate in the flesh. I began to, to really operate, I don't believe, in a way that God 
It was pleasing to the Lord. I began to sort of like that and like, why in the world? What is going on? Life is tough because it seems like when there's one problem, there's another problem and another one right behind it. And there's a deluge, one behind the other. And finally, maybe God woke me up. And I looked at my wife, Cindy, and, and I said, do you believe that I'm under a test? And Cindy said, you probably are. And I began to look at it differently. I began to respond to it differently after I recognized. So we need to recognize every moment of our life is going to be under a test. And that's important to understand that. And you go, well, this is not encouraging today, Jim. Why did I come to hear this, okay? When you say that, I don't want to hear this. I know I'm having problems. You don't have to tell me I'm having problems, okay? But this world, it doesn't get any easier. I thought, you know, here I am at my age, and I, I was thinking about it this past week too, and I began to say, I thought things would get a little bit better, maybe a little bit easier. And I said, to be sure, we can take a vacation from those things the older I get. And I found that not to be true. I found that it gets harder and harder, right? We thought, well, maybe we could have these things when we were younger and we were stronger, but not at this time of life. And yet, here we are. It's a test, seems like every day. So there are four ways that I want to look at today that God tests. And if you want to be stronger in your faith, you want to believe God. If it's impossible to believe God, to really please God without faith, then I believe it's utmost important in our relationship with the Lord. And so God obviously tests our faith, what? Through difficulties. Through the difficulties. Listen at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 through 7. For a little while, you have had to suffer great and all kinds of trials. And these have come so that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is, is revealed. That's a powerful verse. The trials and problems and things that you and I face here are done to prove your faith, to prove your faith. You know, God knows where our faith is, but I think and we're in that crucible and we're, we're kind of feeling the pressure come around us. I believe he wants us to see where our faith is. And then maybe a heads up and say, hey, Lord, I, 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 want, I want to do this. Maybe, you know, that when I realize and recognize that I'm going through these things, that I can respond in a way that will strengthen my faith. I heard somebody say many years ago, is you never fail God's test, you just take it over again. I'm going to get to the encouraging stuff in just a little bit. Okay, hang on. Yeah, everything, obviously, has to be filtered through God's hand. They're tailor-made for you and me. Nothing can touch a child, a child of God without God's permission, even Satan. He has a reason. Sometimes he lets it happen. Now, I know that's a mystery involved in that, how all this stuff happens. God doesn't cause it, but he takes it. And he allows it to happen somehow, right? He's God, and he's all-powerful. He's omnipotent. And so he allows these things to happen in our lives to somehow to test our faith, to make us stronger that we can resist the devil. And the Bible says that he'll flee from us, that we can bless other people, that we can fulfill our calling here while on this earth, because we all have callings, may not be a pulpit pastor, but it certainly is a calling on your life, and that is to bless other people, to reach out to other people, to tell other people about Jesus Christ. And we need faith. We need to step out. We need to understand what that is. And see, again, there are no accidents in the Christian life. God uses the, all of our disappointments, trust me, as our appointments. Every disappointment. And you and I have had a bunch, and maybe you've had a bunch too. But he uses those disappointments as opportunities 
for his glorification and honor. Now, sometimes, again, God needs to make it up just for specifically, and maybe it's not a generic type of difficulty, but yet specifically, he tailor makes it for you and me. He knows what it will take to grow Jim Barcliffe's faith up, and he knows what it takes for you and me. Remember, there are no accidents in your life. You think somehow this came out of the clear blue. Somehow it did. You see, maybe the enemy struck you with that fiery dart in one way or another, but in one way or another, God will use that if we allow him and we respond in the right way. Remember Jonah? Jonah had a custom-made problem. You know, the fish swallowed him, uh, and he got his attention. And sometimes uh, God creates things that seem to swallow us up, right? They seem to overcome us. They seem to just come on all of a sudden and completely swallows those, us up, and you see. And when we get like that, <clears throat> we believe that like Job said, when he said, in jo I mean Jonah said, in Jonah uh, chapter 2, pardon me, it's Jonah, he says this, and I'm sure that, that, uh, there's, that there's nothing else to look at except the Lord. When you and I get so in the pressure cooker of life that sometimes we feel, I've got to look to the Lord. And sometimes we turn to the Lord as a last resort. We look everywhere else, and then we finally go to the Lord. You know, I, I pray I, sometimes when, when something's happened and I feel like, man, I've got to pick the phone up and call the doctor. Nothing wrong with doctors. I have a good doctor. I have good doctors. But we need to pray. Ask the Lord and ask for healing. Ask, go to the Lord. Sometimes when the pressure gets deep and the pressure really gets on is it's when we turn to the Lord. Jonah was that way here. You know, a lot of times we want to feel his presence. And sometimes we feel his presence. And sometimes we are very aware that he is with us. And then sometimes it seems like he's nowhere to be found. Has God left us? Has he abandoned us? He says, is God mad at us? No, he's not mad at us. He's a good father. Remember we talked about their phileo love of the father. In Romans chapter 8, Abba, Father, Daddy, God, He wants us to relate to Him in that way. He's a good Father, good, good Father. We sing the song. The Word of God says that. So He's not mad at you. He's not mad at you or me when we stumble. He loves us. He loves us beyond anything. And why? How do we know that? It's because He sent Jesus. He sent His only begotten Son into the world. He sent His Son into the world to die for my sins and the sins of the world. All who will believe upon him shall be saved. He's not mad, you see, but those feelings sometimes are not there. And he wants to see what's going on in your heart. In Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10, he says this, I have refined you, though not as silver. I've tested you in the furnace of affliction. What is a furnace of affliction? You know, when uh, there a silversmith is burning the, the impurities off of that silver, and the impurities come to the surface of that silver, and he takes and scoops those impurities off of that silver to where then the silversmith can see his reflection in the silver, the molten silver. And that's what God is doing. Sometimes we feel like the Bible talks about a refiner's fire. Sometimes the heat seems like it's up. What's he doing? He's burning those impurities off. Is anybody getting this today? <laughs> This is some challenging things, but it's about faith. It's about faith here, and this is what's so important. And so, so what should I do when I'm going through the difficulties? Here we go. Here's the good stuff. Well, how should I respond? Listen to what James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 says. Consider it pure joy, 
whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. And I bet you right now are saying, what did you say, Jim? Consider it all joy? Are you kidding me? Come on, Jim. Consider it all joy. This is the Bible. Consider it all joy. Not that you're thankful for that problem, but what are you thankful for? You're thankful for God in that problem because you know God can have a purpose for that and He's got a plan and that He never leaves you nor forsake you. And so He says, give thanks. Get thank me. We saw it and listened to it in the Sunday school lesson this morning, the teaching in Psalm 100. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. But what happens a lot of times? Man, we get frustrated. I was frustrated. And finally, when I saw that, so I said, count it all joy. And so I go back and what I do is I align my life and my heart up with the word of God. Because what comes out of me in that old soulish nature is something that is contrary to the Word of God. The soul wants self to be comforted and have all this kind of stuff. Nothing wrong with that. But when the soul obviously takes over and somehow the Word of God is put on the back burner, that's when we get in trouble. And that's when we don't respond in the right way. He's saying, count it all joy here. And so... It's a lesson that we need to learn here. Consider it all joy when you go through the problems. And obviously, again, God doesn't expect you to thank you for the bad things. And many things come from different directions and so forth. But he's saying, thank me for who I am. Give praise to who I am in the midst of your problems and you'll see what happens to be certainly. And I, I, I want to, each one of you, we've got a test. I know y'all didn't come expecting a pop quiz today, but there's going to be a pop quiz. On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate yourself? 1 being really down at the bottom, not very thankful and so forth, and 10 being that you thank God every time that you have a difficulty. Where are you at in that scale? Are you never thankful that God is God in the midst of that? You reflect and go back and count it all joy? Well, maybe give yourself a 1, okay? I'm going to stand at the door when you leave and I want your paper, your test. Remember, you don't fail test here. You take them over again. All right. Sometimes I'm thankful. Sometimes I remember and I realize what God's doing. Give yourself a five. And some of you say, I'm thankful for God, not for the problem, but for God in that situation that I'm in. And I do it every time. Give yourself a 10. Okay, the second way God tests us here, our faith is through demands. Think about it. Demands are commands and so forth. Some things God gives us to do. I've been in the Old Testament, New Testament, going through the, the scriptures, and I've been taking enough time to sort of look at it and ponder it and so forth. And I look at these things and I'm going, some of the things that when you look, uh, certainly in the New Testament, I'm going, my goodness, man, my life needs to really come in a line here. God, I can't do this. Would you come in and, and change me in that area of my life as the Bible presents to me things like that? And these demands are commands that God tells us and so forth. We look at it, we go, these things look impossible. So God tests us by putting us in a place where obviously we have to respond in a place where it looks like it's impossible. God tells you to do something and you go, there's no way I can do that. And so the question is, who are you going to believe? You're going to believe how you feel? Are you going to believe God? 
When he puts you in that place, he's putting you there. Why? To test your faith, to strengthen your faith, to build your muscles of your faith. He's going to continue to do that. And certainly, you know, what about this? Let me ask you. The command is don't worry about anything. Everybody's looking at me now. Anybody in here worry about anything? Or am I the only one? He says that, doesn't he? Does he mean that somehow we worry about a few things over here? And you say, Jim, you don't understand how serious this situation is. And you don't know what I've gone through. No, I don't. And I don't know. But when he says don't worry about anything, I believe that Greek word means anything. And that means nothing. Absolutely nothing. But do we believe it here? The other thing I command is do good to your enemies. Do good to your enemies. People rub us the wrong way. They're burrs in our saddles. We don't like what they say, right? And so the Bible says, do good to your enemies. In fact, he says, do good to those who persecute you. If people are directly opposing you and me, it's that we're to do good to them. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? That's a command. That's the word of God, right? Okay. God tells you to do something. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't have any type of clarity to it here and all. And we go, in my opinion, I don't think I need to do this. Well, whose opinion are you going to go by, God's or yours? And that's the question that we have here. Listen to this. When uh, God there was leading the children of uh, Israel out of the land of Egypt, remember? God put a demand on their life. You all know the story. And it was something called manna. It was a command. And manna, remember, was the bread-like substance that fell from the sky. And they ate it. And remember what God told them to do? He said, only take enough up for each day. He said, because if you take enough up for two days and kind of store some away, he said, it will rot. He said, it won't be any good and so forth. Remember that? And in Exodus chapter 16, verse 4, it says, the people are to go out each day and gather enough manna for that day. In that way, I will listen, test them, and see whether they will follow my instructions here. What about when we thought about it, and in our own lives, well, what if I get sick? What if I can't get out and make that the next day, and so forth? And, and, and yet, I know God has said this, but why can't I go ahead and get enough to store up for maybe that rainy day, and so forth? Nothing wrong with savings. I'm not saying that at all, but I'm just saying, Give us this day, what? Our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. We go to the Lord. What does he say? Give us this, this day, our daily bread. He wants to, he begins to do this to test us, you and me. And he wants us, he was looking at our hearts to see whether or not we will trust him. The whole Christian life is about faith and trust. The two equals trust. That's all this, trust. Are we going to trust him that he's going to do what he said? His promises are yes and amen, the Bible says. Are we going to trust him? We need to obviously have our faith strengthened. Remember a, a man named Abraham? He was 75 years old when he was told by God to, uh, to go out and leave his home comfort, his comfort zone, his hometown. Remember that? What happened? You know, he tells him, he, God says, I want you to go somewhere where you've never been. And, and think about it. 
in our lives. He tells us to do something that we've never done before or go somewhere that we've never been before and so forth. This is Abraham. And, and uh, God says, I'll tell you, because Abraham was saying, where exactly am I going? Because we want to know, where am I going here? God says, I'll tell you. And then he goes on and he says, here, uh, how am I going to get there? And God says, I'll show you. And then how will I know when I get there? And God says, when you get there, I'll tell you that you've gotten there. Ooh, you got to step out because faith is equal to risk, okay? What do we do when this happens and we feel like something we don't know because we're stepping out into the unknown? We're not comfortable. We begin to press. See, we get out, we're so comfortable. And again, the Western church, we're just comfortable and we kind of want to go along and kind of laissez-faire and so forth. But uh, what do we do when this happens? We get on our cell phones and we Google it. And we Google MapQuest. I want to know where I'm going, right? And so I'm going to find every means I can to find where I'm going. And God says, I'm not going to show you. When you get there, I'll tell you you're there. I'll show you if you'll step out in faith. That means, as a church, we need to do what God calls us to do. And it may mean that we step out in faith. And more than likely, it will be that we, as individuals and as a church body, will have to step out in faith. Because if we're moving in the Spirit, we've got to do what He says. The people, remember the Israelites in the desert? They had left the, the land of bondage, slavery. Same, obviously, the, it was, uh, it's a symbol of how we were taken out of, out of bondage, out of the slavery to sin, when Jesus redeemed us. The same thing, it's symbolic there. And they were there, and remember when the cloud moved by uh, day and the fire by night, they left, they moved. Moses moved out. It's the same way with you and I. We've got to move out. But we're not always comfortable with that. Remember Noah? Remember Noah, the story of Noah? Y'all have known that since the way back when you were kids? Well, God comes to Noah one day and says, Noah, I've got a demand. I want you to build an ark. Remember, Noah is in the middle of a desert here. And God says, I want you to build an ark because there's going to be a flood. At this time of history, they had never had rain fall on the ground. Actually, the water that came up came up as a mist out of the ground. It had never fallen from the sky. And what did God, what did Noah say? <laughs> yes, sir, I will do it. He started building that ark, and it took a long time to build that ark. And he went on and he built the ark. And remember what happened there at the end, there was the flood, exactly the way God said it. But he had to obey God because God had given a command, a command, you see. See, God has spoken to people. You know, he's speaking all the time, I believe. We're just a lot of time not listening. But he's telling us uh, uh, his love for us and he's sharing these things with us, you and me. But yet what happens is, and God speaks, and there's a time lapse in that. And then when we get discouraged, you see, Noah could have stopped building that ark because remember the opposition from the culture? The culture came against him. Let me tell you, as Christians, we haven't seen anything yet. I don't believe. I pray we would not come under the persecution like other countries, but I believe we will have opposition to our faith, right? I do believe that with all my heart. I believe that. And we, you and I need to stand, not being obviously arrogant or obnoxious or anything like that, but we've got to know who we are in Christ and who He is in us. Amen? We've got to know that. We've got to settle it. 
in our hearts who we are. We've got to settle it in our hearts that we're going to obey God no matter what's going on around us. And no matter how many people go the opposite way. You and I, we are swimming upstream. We are going against the tide. We're like that salmon that are going upstream and jumping and we're continuing and we don't give up. We persevere. Again, this testing is actually developing perseverance in our lives. Because if we don't, what will happen? We'll fall away. Now, you wouldn't deny Christ necessarily, but you'd never really come in and, and make a, a, a difference for Christ in your life. You don't have that faith here. You see, God tests our faith. And he does it through the difficulties. And then we've got to rejoice continually. And we've got to obey, what, immediately. And God has us to say something, then we need to do that. And so, uh, let me think about your life. If God told you to do something, and you're going, well, Lord, my opinion of this is that blah, blah. Well, maybe give yourself a one. If you say, well, I obey sometimes, and my opinion kind of comes in. Well, maybe give yourself a five. But if you say, I'm going to obey immediately what God says, give yourself a 10. The third way that he tests us here is with dollars. Dollars. You know, up here we go. A lot of times people say, well, the preacher, he's talking about money again. He's talking. You see, money is really very uh, important in understanding what we do with money, money and material possessions in our lives. If material possessions possess you or your money possess you, then obviously something's out of kilter. It's all God's money anyway. It's all His. And it's a matter of how we give and what we do with that money. In Luke 16, verse 11, Jesus said this, If you haven't been trustworthy in handling worldly worldly wealth, and that's talking about money, who will trust you with true riches? Money is very important. And I believe that obviously is something that, that really is, is so important. And you look at how we handle our money and it's a direct correlation of how deep our spiritual walk with Jesus is. You willing to do what God tells you to do with your money? And you go, yeah, but I got bills. So do I. Everybody does. But if you trust God, what that does that make a difference? If you really trust God here, you see money is a test. The fact is what I do with my money really does determine how much God can bless my life if you think about it here. We hold back sometimes because we feel like, because what we do is we come in and we write our tithe check out here. We write the tithe. And while we're writing it, we're thinking about, oh gosh, what that money could be used for to pay this bill or to pay that bill and do this and that and all that. And the old soul and the enemy begins to hit you and say, yeah, but you don't want to write that check. Yeah. Do you really believe Malachi, in the book of Malachi, it talks about that God will pour the blessing out upon you? And the ten, he said, you, you, they had stolen from God. And they said, I can't have we stolen from you? And all and so forth. He said, because you haven't brought the tithes in the storehouse. And people say, yeah, but Old Testament, that's Old Testament and so forth. No, it's New Testament. In fact, God owns it all. And we need to be givers. We should be in the church house, the biggest givers that there are. And I need to obviously come up with that too. It's God speaks that we need to obviously do what God tells us to do and trust Him for the result. But I will tell you this, and I will say this on the Word of God, is that when you step out in faith and you begin to do that, God will bless you beyond all reason. 
It won't be reasonable. But God will bless you and bless me as we step out in faith here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7 and 8 says, Excel in the grace of giving. And here he says, I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love, you see. It talks about every time I give, I grow in love and I grow in hope and I grow in faith and I grow in maturity. It builds my life. Listen to this. First Chronicles chapter 29 uh, in the Old Testament there, talking about David. David and the people of Israel raised the money to build the temple. And that one single offering, they actually raised over $400 million in today's term. One offering to build the temple. $400 million in today's dollars. You see, people say God doesn't need a building. They haven't read First Chronicles 29. We meet, we assemble ourselves together. And people can meet anywhere, warehouses or wherever. But meeting together is very important. In, in 1 Chronicles 29, verses uh, 14, David says this after they had, after all, after they got all given as a test of their faith, he says this, who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you. And we have given you what comes from your hand. O Lord, our God, for all this abundance that we have provided for building you a temple for your holy name. It comes from your hand and it all belongs to you. In other words, it's all God's in the first place. Every bit of it. Every bit here. And so he's saying here, does God test our faith here to see how we love him, whether or not we will love him? And so we rejoice continually. We obviously obey, obey immediately, and what? We give generously, right? Test God. God says he, he'll pour the blessings of heaven out on you. Test him here in Malachi chapter 3. He says, test me in this. The only test that the Bible talks about, testing God. He says, if I will not do this, if I will not open the, flood, the, the doors and, and just pour blessings out in your life, he does that, right? I've seen people today. I remember I was raised in a church, but Cindy and I didn't tithe until some time later, and and we knew we I, I knew the teaching, but I just didn't really give it a whole lot of thought. Plus, we were having a good time and so forth. We were growing up and spending here and there and doing that. But then I realized, I said, this is for today, the tithes. And when we did, obviously God is taking care of us beyond anything in this that I can imagine. God has taken care of us. We have tithed here. The fourth way that he tests our faith is through delays. Delays. I'm confessing to you today, but I don't know about you, I hate delays. I don't like delays. I don't like delays in anything. And when I'm on a highway, or maybe say I'm on a feeder road, and I'll pull up, and I'll look as I'm coming up on the cars that are backed up and so forth, and I'll look, and maybe it's just a couple of... Uh, uh, cars there and I'll look and I'll see is it a hot car that looks like it's going to get off the line real fast that I'll pull up behind them I don't want to wait in traffic I don't want to wait at the stoplight I don't want to wait this God uses delays to test our faith he, he uses this very very effectively and I know some of you some of these things I've talked about you say yeah I don't like this one that way well, I don't like delays I just don't like that 
it's important to know God uses this because obviously, you know, I can sit in a doctor's office and my appointment is a certain time and I'll look, I'll watch and here we go, half an hour, 45 minutes, sometimes an hour and so forth. And you know what my thought is? My thought is, hey, my time is just as valuable as yours. Why don't you get your schedule right? It's a delay, right? What can I do during that time? Instead of being frustrated and so forth, is go to the Lord in prayer and pray for the people's healing that are in that place and pray for God's strength upon my doctor and all the nurses. Amen? You see, that's what we do though, isn't it? We're human. But God is saying, I want to build your faith, you see. God can grow us through irritating times of waiting, uh, no doubt about it, no matter what it takes, you see. Remember here, a good example of this is here again, is the people of Israel were, were leaving Egypt and going into the promised land. They were leaving. And so if they had gone, they left, and if they had gone from point A to B, it would have only taken them like two to three weeks, actually, walking. They could have walked it in two or three weeks. But it took them 40 years. God said he did it to see what was in their heart, to test them. So the delay was something God was doing to look in their hearts. You see, obviously, faith is of utmost importance in our relationship with our God. Amen? It's very important. Ever find yourself in situations that you feel like that you're in a hurry and God's not? Anybody? You're in a hurry. God's not. He's not. He's waiting. You see, he's trying to develop our faith. He's testing us. He's calling us through here. God is there in that. He will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. Rejoice continually, obviously. Respond immediately to the demands, obviously. Give generously. And then, obviously, wait upon the Lord. The Bible says in Isaiah 40, those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. Amen? Those who wait. I don't like I remember years ago, I was waiting. I was going, making a transition from, from a manufacturing management and felt a call to go in ministry. Things weren't happening. I remember exactly where I was, where we were living in Pearland. I remember there in the living room, I was going, Lord, I don't want to wait. I was going, you know, this is too, I don't want to wait. Please, please. And I remember God pointed, gave me a, a book. I found a book and, and it helped me a lot about waiting on it. I mean, it sort of like soothed me for a short period of time. But eventually God broke through and he'll break through for you and me too if we wait. Because delays have a very important person, uh, purpose here. Isaiah 64, 4 says, God acts on behalf of those who wait on him. It pays to be patient. I believe patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit, right? Are y'all patient? Am I the only one in this crowd that's not patient? Okay. God's working that fruit in my life. How about you? Be patient. Trust in the Lord here. God is working behind the scenes. Always. He's never idle. He's never, you think God has gone to sleep on you. He hasn't. He's working all things out. He's, and for those who love him, he loves us and he's working in our lives. If we allow him to build that faith in our lives and trust him, you're here. I'm going to rejoice in you. 
I'm going to enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We continue to wait and do that. It'll be obviously uh, a great, great reward. On a scale of one to ten, where are you? Nobody is speaking up about these things today, these questions. Y'all think it's a secret exam? And I'm the only one that's going to see it, right? We don't always pass that test, do we? But God is working here. So the question is, in Luke 17, 5, when um, the apostles said, Lord, Lord, increase our faith. When you ask that, get ready. Because he may use some things to increase your faith. And this is the way he does it. He can do it, and he'll do it. And he gives you grace. Remember, grace, that wonderful grace, 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 God's grace. He'll give you grace when he does it. But he'll increase your faith because without faith, it's impossible to please him. It's impossible. Rejoice continually. You need to ask the Lord. One of the ways I pray, Lord, I can't do this. Help me. Help me. I heard a preacher pray a prayer one night because we were meeting on Wednesday night. And one of the lessons was from a pastor and the prayer was the pastor uh, prayed this prayer. He said, Father, help. Come Holy Spirit. That was it. Father, help. Help me. And he will help you as we continue to grow in our faith. You see, what happens is a lot of times when God doesn't do what we think he should do is we get angry. I know people have walked away from the church because God didn't heal their loved one and that maybe their loved one went home to be with the Lord. I've seen people walk away and never darken the church's doors again because they're so angry. They were so mad about it. And uh, God didn't do what he, they wanted him to do. Let me mention a couple of things and then we'll come to a close here. Number one, negative words actually are unbelief. Those negative words come, just stop it. Begin to change. Y'all know we're hearing it and we're all in this together. We're growing. Negative words equal unbelief. You know what that is? Stop. Stop speaking the negative words. Remember the, the 12 spies that went out into the land to sort of scope it out? Remember? Moses sent them out, or one of them, Moses sent them out. Remember? Ten came back and said, we can't take it. We can't do it. But remember what the two Joshua and Caleb did. They came back. We can take it. We can do it. God said so. God's given it to us. We can take it. Remember that? The negative words of, that, of those ten actually influenced the rest of the crowd there. Most of the crowd anyway. And they didn't go into the promised land. They like, we can't do it. We can't do it. And how often do we believe God's calling us to do something? Or maybe God is saying, I want you to start this particular ministry, whatever it may be. And you go, I can't do it, I can't do it. But it's on my heart. And you're unwilling to risk and step out in faith or maybe have people pray with you about it so that, that you can, can hear and make sure just to confirm it. But you're unwilling to do it. And what happens is it gets kind of shuffled to the side and it never takes place. They didn't go into the promised land because of unbelief there, okay? In Luke chapter 7, we won't read it. <clears throat> Remember the situation with John the Baptist, the story? And he had was the forerunner to Jesus Christ. He had baptized Jesus in the River Jordan, remember? He saw Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, remember? He was Jesus' cousin, cousin. 
He obviously he knew something was special. Now, John baptized as unto repentance, and people there, they repented. But John knew, here's the Messiah. But remember what happened when Herod said, I'm going to cut you, I'm going to kill you, because he did some things. And he, John the Baptist had a standard up here, and obviously the, the rulers there didn't. They were corrupt and immoral and everything. And remember what happened? He threw John into the into jail. Remember the story? And remember John looked, got one of his disciples and said, go and ask Jesus if you are really the one. Remember that? And you're going, John, come on. You baptized him. You, you know, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus there at the river Jordan and you saw him anointed. You saw him heal people. You saw him raise people from the dead. You saw him do incredible miracles. You know that. And he, he still said, go and ask, is he really the one or do we need to look for somebody else? Okay. Why was that? I believe here the reason why is John had expectations that Jesus wasn't meeting. John had expectations that Jesus wasn't meeting. And Jesus said, don't fall away from me on account of this. Don't be get offended, basically, what he's saying. A lot of people have been offended and they've walked away from Jesus because he didn't do what they wanted him to do. He didn't respond in the timing that they wanted him to respond. And they threw their faith in. And many are out there today. Many left the church never came back in again. When we have expectations sometimes and Jesus does not meet those expectations like what we want and the timing that we want them, sometimes we get so angry. And many people today have gotten angry with God because of that. Because God didn't do what they wanted him to do. You see, sometimes what does that mean? What we've done then is put ourselves in the place of God. But faith is just the opposite. And that is faith continually, obviously being strengthened through these difficulties and delays and, and all the things we see and the giving, the giving, and not holding on to material possessions and so forth causes us to persevere and say, I'm moving on with Jesus. And the Bible says in the last days that even the elect would fall away until unless God had stayed his hand or had not stayed his hand. Even the elect, that's how strong a delusion and deception and the trials will become in the end times. And the question for me and maybe for you today is, is your faith in a place to where you will persevere for God? Is your faith in a, in a place, a position that you'll say, I, I, will, I will go through this and I will rejoice in the Lord and always? And again, I say, Rejoice. Are you there today in that? Not situation, not thanking for that necessarily or whatever it may be because people have cancer and all types of things. Not saying that. I'm saying thank God for who He is and rejoice in the Lord for who He is in that situation. Where yet? God's looking at me. He's looking at you. He's testing me, trust me, and maybe He's testing you. Maybe you didn't recognize it. Maybe you're looking and say, well, I didn't recognize it, but now I know. You see, I believe today that we're being prepared for something much bigger than you'd ever imagined. When Jesus comes back, we'll be the consummation there of the age when he comes back and we 
we're with Him. We'll go with, be with Him forever and ever and ever. Get new bodies. Uh, be with Him in glory the rest of eternity today. But we're not there yet. And until then, we've got to be prepared. And that preparation is somehow um, being developed as our faith becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. I know all of us here could say, Jim, I want to be mature in Christ. I don't want to be a babe. I don't want to just continue to go back to those elementary teachings there, but I want to be strong. I want to be mature in the Lord. Then when a test comes this week, because I guarantee you, more than likely there will be. Anybody here doubt that there'll be a test here in the future? Trust me, I'm tested on Sunday afternoon after I preach this. God says, you really believe what you preach? You really believe my word? You're going to trust me? That's what he does. Inevitably, he does. A test comes. And sometimes, you know, it comes out of the clear blue. And sometimes the surprise kind of knocks us off our feet. But if you remember, recognize what's going on and then how to respond, I just know that we're going to grow. We're going to grow individually and we're going to grow as a church. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray together. Amen. Thank you, Lord. One of our church family reached out. Jim Nelson. Thank you, Jim. Amen. Bless you, Jim. Bless the Nelson family and all others who are not here with us that are part of this church. And those of you watching that are not, I want you to come on and join us when you feel comfortable with that. But until then, I pray that God would bless you and would strengthen you in your walk with Jesus. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day and thank you for your glorious presence in this place. Thank you, Lord, today that you are in complete control. And thank you today that things come our way that we don't even realize what's going on. And yet, Lord, you're working something to strengthen our faith in you. We thank you, Father, today. We rejoice in you this day. And we give thanks, Lord, for who you are in the midst of these challenges, even in the midst of this coronavirus, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We give praise to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And we pray today, Father, that you would have your way in our lives, individually and corporately. Lord, certainly in the church, come and have your way. We know you're standing at the door and knocking. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, and I'll come in and sup with him and, and he with me. I'll dine with you. You'll come in, Lord. Lord Jesus, we open the door of our hearts and we open the door of this church to you to come in and be who you desire. Because, Lord, when we see you for who you are, Lord, we're changed. And we're changed forevermore. So come, Lord, touch us. Pray for healing across this land, healing to those who are watching this today. May they truly see the healing came from Jesus. And, Father, today we pray that everything that we do help us to be reminded to give you the glory and all the praise. So today, Father, thank you for this wonderful day. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. God bless all of you.